Amen. Well, guys, tonight we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, and we want to invite you to be there with us. Now, with that invitation, just a quick thing. If you want to open up a Bible, that's great. If you're following online or in the overflow, you have a Bible, that's a great way to do that. But we're stepping through the book of Proverbs, and we're trying something we haven't done before. So if it goes really, really badly, uh, we might change it before too long. But if you came in this evening and you saw on the the, the table there, you have a little booklet for the chapter one of the, of the book of Proverbs. And we're going to invite you to use that and follow along with us in the midst of it. Hey, if you're joining us online, we want to make sure you're invited as well. And so you can download those off our website. Even right now, you can just go under messages and you'd be able to find them. In this booklet, you have the entire text uh, of Proverbs chapter one. And we're just going to invite you uh, to, to walk through this. Now, let me just be really clear. There is no um, requirement. Like if you look at this and you think, I hate this, I don't, I don't like doing this, I don't even want it, then don't. I mean, just open up your Bible and follow along. Um, we're going to invite you to, one of the reasons we're trying this is because Proverbs is kind of a challenging book, especially once we get to, you know, some of the constant Proverbs that move back and forth. And so we're just going to invite you to mark it up, um, circle it, underline, write little notes all over it in a way that you might not do so in your Bible. And now I'm going to show you some on the screen. You don't have to use mine. I mean, you can use your own. I'll have some colors to make it a little bit more visible on the screen. And you probably uh, don't have a whole color spectrum with you. You might, and you're welcome to do that. But again, that you don't have to. And so if you just want to underline, circle, make boxes, again, our hope is that it would just be a way for you to approach the book of Proverbs and understand it. And so, hey, I hope it works. And if it does, hey, make sure to let us know if you have just advice for us in the midst of it. We'd love to kind of hear that as well as we kind of just begin. I mean, we're just in the first chapter and we're kind of navigating forward in this. And so it is kind of a first time we've done it specifically this way and yet hoping that God would meet us. Well, one way or another, we're going to spend our time in the Word of God. And so whether you're using a Bible, whether you're using it electronically or using the booklet uh, Bible study journal that we gave you, we're hoping that you would just follow along with us and, and be able to hear what God has. But let's ask Him for it. Let's take a moment and pray and ask that God would speak to you and to me through His Word. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for just the resource, the the help, the, the guidance that comes to us, and we think specifically of the book of Proverbs as a book of wisdom. And I would like to begin right now, just taking even the promise in, in, in James 1, that you said if any of us la lacks wisdom, we could ask of you, and you would give it to us abundantly, without reproach. God, I, I ask for that. I pray that that would happen even this evening, and if you give us weeks to work in the book of Proverbs, that wisdom would be granted to us. Lord, believing that that's something you would give us and yet asking even more right now that you would take this evening not only giving us wisdom, but you would speak to us. You would help us to hear exactly what you have for us. And together we seek that as we think about who you are and, and your good ways. And we ask for your help to help us hear your voice right now. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the book of Proverbs, it is a book that gives us incredible wisdom. Now, if you were with us last week, your book might look something like this. As we walked through those first seven verses, and we talked about what wisdom was, 
that in the first seven verses, it really defines it for us and reminds us and tells us that the incredible wisdom and insight that is found for us in the Word of God and specifically in the book of Proverbs. And that first section really was kind of a declaration of what this is going to be, a declaration of, you know, the kind of things that God would want to do in our life and give us wisdom. Now, if you were with us last week, we went through a whole invitation on this. We saw a bunch of stuff, and we saw that as you get to later, really when the Proverbs begin pulls out, you guys know it. It just flows in, in just constant back and forth ways. But the first number of chapters, they're a little bit more of a flow of thought. In fact, this first chapter is really entirely an invitation. It's an invitation to the book of Proverbs. It began in that first section with helping us understand what Proverbs is, and then we have two more just sections in chapter one that will, in a sense, just be an invitation. So if you're going to take notes and follow along, you might want to just turn over there to page two, and you might want to mark out that section. Now, I'm going to do it just by putting a couple boxes at the top of it. So at the top of verse eight, I'm just going to say, okay, this begins the next section that we're going to look at. And if you want to put boxes at the end of it, go to, the, to page four, and you'll put it down at the end of verse 19. So that first section, again, goes the first, you know, really verses 2 to 6. The second section runs from verse 8 to verse 9, to verse, excuse me, 19, and inviting us to hear and see the things that God would have for us, inviting you and I into the things that God would want to speak into our lives. And so we really want to go there. This section, again, running from, you know, verse 8 to 19, it is one that is a place where, it's the first of 10, kind of what we would say father-son talks. You might just notice as it begins there in verse 8, where he says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And it kind of gives us this perspective where it's as if a, a parent, a father, and it's going to tell us the father and mother are pleading with their child to hear, are pleading with them to understand. And so there's 10 of these kind of discourses in the book of Proverbs where the father just appeals and pleads, uh, saying, I, I long for you to hear wisdom that would help you navigate life. Now, that's a great piece of insight, a place that certainly for parents to, to pass on to your children, certainly a place where that kind of wisdom would be found, but I also think it helps us kind of hear the tone of voice. This is flowing, not like a college classroom. This isn't, you know, some place where you're, you know, learning some technical wisdom. It's tender. It's family. And I really think it should be a place where you would hear your heavenly father speak to you, if you're a child of God, to you as his child, in a way that would be speaking to you saying, my child, my child, please hear my voice. Please hear what I have to say to you. And that's really how the whole book of Proverbs is supposed to run. But this first section kind of helps us kind of move into that, a place where we would say, okay, this is where we're going. This is the things that God has for us. So if you're going to underline or circle, you might just want to circle it in that first verse, in verse 8, where it says, my son. In this section, it's going to say that three times. Three times that kind of helps you just kind of say, hey, I'm speaking to you as a child. Now, again, however you want to do this, if you're an underline, you want a box, you want to do that, just kind of puts a couple marks maybe around what he's pleading. In verse 8, it says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. And then he's going to say, do not forsake. 
So the appeal is like, like, listen to me and don't forget this. Hear what I'm saying, but I'm not wanting you just to hear me now as if you're paying attention and you're going to forget what I'm telling you. I want you to hear what I'm saying and I want you to remember it. And it flows from the instruction of a father. It flows from the law of your mother. So certainly this picture of a, of a kind of a unified kind of role of a father and mother pleading into the life of their child, pleading for them to hear, and certainly a place where, again, God is working that into us, where he'd say, okay, I'm pleading with you. Hear what I have to say. Don't forsake this. He gives us a promise in verse 9 that just helps us kind of just see what it would be to us. So it says, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And without spending a bunch of time in that one, it is just this place like this would bless you. This would be, you know, something that would, you know, greatly enhance, it would affect your, it would be a, an ornament on your head, it would be chains about your neck, it would bring you into a, a life that is worth living, a beautiful life. And so it begins with that place of just telling us, hey, that's where we're going. That's what he's inviting us to. So flip the page over to verse 10 there, and again, he now begins to speak, and he says again, my son. So I'm just going to circle that again, my son, because that, he says it again three times. And so now he gives kind of the nutshell of what he's going to say. He says, if sinners entice, and I'm going to underline that, and then he says, don't do it. Don't consent to them. And so you can put a box around that if you want. In essence, what he's telling us right here is this is his first piece of wisdom, like the very first nugget that's in the book of Proverbs, outside of just defining the book of Proverbs, the very first call of wisdom in some senses, or at least to help us understand how he wants us to get there, is he's going to tell us, don't heed bad influences. Now, I just want you to pause, and I want you to think about this for a moment. So there's going to be a bunch of things given to us in the book of Proverbs, a lot of really good wisdom. But before we even get there, before we begin unpacking what some of those things are, it's as if we get to this first kind of address, and he's going to plead with us. He's going to tell us, hey, you know, if you're going to walk in the way that God has for you, you're going to have to learn to not let those around you determine the course of your life. Now, the funny thing about this is it's such consistent wisdom. I know for many of you guys, you're, you are parents of, of children, and so you've had these conversations, right? If everybody else, you know, jumps off a cliff, doesn't mean you have to do it too. I mean, just because just everybody else is doing it, that, doesn't ha- that shouldn't determine your life. And I think about what the Bible does. I think about a passage in 1 Corinthians when Paul would say it to us this way. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company, allowing those influences into our lives that that will determine who we are, it will corrupt us. Now, it's a powerful reality. It's certainly what Proverbs is beginning with us, telling us, but it's interesting the way that Paul says this to us, that God says to us through Paul. He says, don't lie to yourself. Uh, don't deceive yourself. It does happen. That, that the influences that you allow to be in your life, they will determine who you are. One person has said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me what you, who you allow to be sources of input into your life and I will tell you the person that you're going to turn into. It may not be who you are today, you might be like, hey, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't, I mean, I listen to him, but it doesn't really determine the course of my life, but it will. 
He says, if you allow those, those ones to be the ones who speak into your life, it will corrupt you. It will do that. So Proverbs begins that way. And by the way, you know, we're in this section of poetry in, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, which we talked about a little bit last week. It's also interesting that that's how the book of Psalms begins, right? Some of you have it memorized there in Psalm 1, where it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That this book of Psalms begins with the same kind of just thing. Hey, blessed is the one who doesn't let those, that that be the course of action that's going to determine who you are, that that doesn't work into your life. And so that's going to be this nugget. Again, it runs from verse 8 down to verse 19. And so now we just want to feel it. Once more, the book of Proverbs is this Hebrew poetry, which isn't a rhyme of sound, it's a rhyme of thought. So it's kind of like you're just trying to track, you know, the way that the consistent thoughts roll out. And so we'll do this first part in a couple of sections. And so if you want to underline, just go through, and we want to underline the places where that voice is being said to us, where you're hearing it, where, where that's speaking into you. So I'll just begin there, and you can kind of follow along. You can add or, or do other ones if you want, but he just simply says, if they say, come with us. If you hear a voice that's saying, come with us, and then it invites us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Like, let's do this. Like, come and do this with us. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us, you know, work in the midst of that. And so he's, he's beginning to tell us, hey, this is what the, these are doing. These are, these are walking in. He says, then let us swallow them alive like she- Sheol. He says, you know, in the, in, the, in the hole like those who go down to pit. He says, and we shall find, like this will do something for us. And we shall find all kinds of precious possessions and we shall fill our houses with spoil. And so there's these voices that are just speaking that are saying, hey, come and do this with us. Come and walk in this. And he, he gives us one more as he lays out there in verse 14, cast in your lot among us and let us have one purse. So all these are the same thing. I mean, it's Hebrew poetry, so it's kind of trying to say the same thing as as if the voices are just kind of peppering your life and inviting you into it. So, you know, you think about what this looks like, and I'm going to zoom out. I I know it makes it a little harder to see on the screen, but I I want you to think about what you you see here, just this flow of thought, this, this invitation. And so you almost want to notice this is that section. So I'm going to kind of put a box around it from verse 10 down to verse 14, and just let us know that this first section is this picture of an appeal. It's an appeal of sinful voices. It's as if he's telling us there's going to be in your life these voices that speak to you, that say, hey, come, (laughs) like come do this with me. Come, Come walk in this. Come do this whole thing. Let's lie in wait. Let's lurk secretly. Let's swallow them. It's gonna find things. We'll we'll find things in our lives. It's gonna give us, fill our houses with spoils. Cast in your lot with us and we will all gain from it. So there's this appeal that he's telling us that's gonna happen that you're going to have this happen. Now, again, I, I think this through and think as I try to say this, I don't think there's anybody in this room that's like, does that ever happen? I mean, does that really ever a part of, no, it, it certainly is a part of life. It certainly is a part of those who would seek to pull us down a course and a road that, that we should not go down and needing to recognize 
what that looks like. Recognize that that's a place that we're going to have to to face. And so flip it over to the next page if you're following along the booklet. And one more time, he appeals to us. The third time in this section, he's just going to say, my son. And again, almost just underscoring the, the pleading of a father to a child, like, my child, my child, please hear what I'm saying. And he appeals to him and just says it this way. And I'm going to kind of put boxes around this whole verse. You can do it as one big box if you want, or you can kind of do it the way I did it. I think I have even a little bit of a highlighter there where he says, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. He says, here's what I'm going to play with. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't walk in their path. If they appeal to you, if those voices come into your life and those are going to speak to call you down to a road that you shouldn't go to, don't do it. Don't let that be who you are. So again, for me, I'm kind of putting little boxes around it that kind of mark out each section. So this one really is a place of, of avoid that. Like don't let that become the thing that grabs your life, that pulls you into that course, that, that calls you into what that would be. And then he just warns us he warns us what that would do and, and where that would go. And so again, I'm going to kind of zoom out uh, just so we can see this whole little section together as he kind of just lays it out. And he just begins to reason with us what would happen if we allow those voices to determine our course. He says, for their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. Like this is what they're going to do. They're going to drive you into this. There in verse 17, he says, surely in vain a net is spread in the sight of any bird. Now, I don't really have any notes there on the screen and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but this is actually a little bit of a, a verse that's a hard translation out of the Hebrew. And its meaning is sometimes debated among Bible students. So I'm just going to give you both sides of it, but I think either way you're going to understand it. Some would say that it's telling us Hey, you know that if you do this, you know, when you, when, you, when you plant a trap for a bird, if you're setting a trap for animals, they don't get it. They don't understand that that trap will, will, will trap them. But you're smarter than an animal. You shouldn't be able to look at a, at a thing and think, hey, that, that, that's a trap. That's going to get me. Others would say, well, this verse is saying, you know, if the animal sees you set the trap, they're not going to fall for it. You know, that, that there's a sense of if they see what's there, if, if you spread your name in the bird, it's not going to be there. And that's how you should be. You should be the one that says, I see it, and I'm not going to fall for it. So either way, that's kind of the idea of the verse. Like, you should be smart enough to say, that's a trap. It's not going to go good for me. He says, you know, they, they're going to lie in wait, but they're, what they're really going to cost is their own blood. It's not going to hurt others. It's going to hurt them. It's going to, you know, secretly lurk for their own lives. It's not going to be that they're gaining others. It's actually their own destruction that's happening in the midst of it. It takes away, as he says there in verse 19, the life of its owners. It'll cost you. It'll cost you in the midst. And really verse 19 kind of highlights that whole section where he says, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of his owners. And he's just telling us, hey, those, if you listen to those voices, that's where it's going to go. And so one more time for me, I'm just kind of putting our little box around there to the side that will just tell me, hey, this is what it is. He's saying it will ruin your life. It will ruin your life. So there we have it. This, 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 you know, first of all, we have in Proverbs 1, we had kind of a definition, and we have this second voice that's telling us, if you're going to want wisdom, then you're also going to have to choose who not to listen to. There's going to be voices that speak to you. You're going to have to say no, because if you don't, they'll destroy your life. You, if, you don't, if you don't pick who's going to be the influence in your life, it's going to be the ruin of who you are. 
Now, that just needs to be solidly understood. So we think about our little booklet, and again, down at the bottom part of it is a place where you can do whatever you want, if that's just special notes you want to make. But I also kind of just encouraging, if, if you're like a doodler, and I don't mean to kind of like distraction doodling, but for some of you, you're visual. And one of the interesting things about being a good Bible student is learning, for some of you, this is how you remember things, is you just make a little picture, <laughs> and it sticks, like the whole thing sticks in your mind. So I'm not a great artist, so I'm not going to put a doodle that I doodled. I'm going to put a picture there that obviously kind of communicates it, but again, if you're a good artist, you can kind of do it, but I just would put there the verse from 1 Corinthians uh, 15, bad company cups, good morals, and so I kind of have this picture of rotting fruit, and you guys know how it works, so that's exactly how it works. If you have ever done that, you like have a, a piece of rotting fruit and you allow it to be around other fruit, it's contagious. It's contagious. It'll rot everything around it. And he's telling us, hey, that's what we need to understand is those influences will rot our lives if we don't choose to cut off and not allow some of those things to be in our, in our lives. Now, hopefully as I'm speaking this right now to you, that's something you've already figured out. That's something you've already figured out, uh, that you've had to do that. But if it's not, I'm just telling you, I might be speaking to somebody right now that there's influences in your life that you have to cut off. Doesn't mean that you don't love them. Doesn't mean that you don't share the gospel with them. Doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. It doesn't mean that you, you know, treat them as if, you know, they're nothing in your life. But you, there is a place where you don't let those speak into your life who are going to pull you down. And one of the hard things in life is actually recognizing that at times and recognizing times where you have to cut off influences, where you have to cut off friendships sometimes, where you have to cut off those who would speak into that. Sometimes it's shows you're watching. Sometimes it's you know, things that are influencing you and pulling you in a wrong direction, and you have to be the one that says, that's not good for me. <laughs> that's not good for me, and I have to be one that says no. So Proverbs is beginning with this place of just telling us that's what it looks like. So that's the second section in chapter one. Let's go to the third. If, again, you want to put boxes around it, you know, again, you can do so. I'll do so with kind of little purple boxes there. It's going to begin in verse 20 that's on page five of your booklet. It's going to end on page eight, which is the end of the chapter. This whole section runs, you know, from verse 20 to verse 33, and it's the third part of this chapter that's going to appeal to us with this voice of helping us hear God's wisdom helping us hear what that looks like. And so if you want, you can kind of turn over to that and even just kind of put a little notation of it there at the top of it from verse 20 to verse 33. This time we're going to get the first of four wisdom poems that come from this personification of wisdom that's going to be this lady wisdom. Four times in the book of Proverbs, you have it. And by the way, it's on the back of your booklet. You can find it right down there in our whole Bible reading project we showed you last week or all of them there. But there is a place where wisdom is going to be personified as this voice of lady wisdom, just in the midst of God's creation, woven into God's creation, just to speak to us, just to, to appeal to us. Now, there's a bunch in there, but there is a part of it just understanding that this personification of wisdom is, is kind of putting it through all of life and putting it into a place where it's calling out to each and every one of us to hear. In fact, it is in that sense, each one of these four kind of wisdom poems from Lady Wisdom is a cry, is, an, is, is this loud outcry to say, listen to what I have to say. 
And so certainly that's going to be where we dive into it here. And so let's just do this. If you want to circle it, I'm just going to circle the first part of verse 20 there where it just says wisdom calls aloud outside. Like wisdom is, is speaking. It's, it's just pleading. In fact, just notice there, in, also in verse 20, it says she raises her voice in the open squares. In verse 21, she cries out in, in, in the chief concourses. I mean, she's just pleading in the midst of life. At the openings of the city, the gates of the city, she speaks her words. And so this first part of this wisdom poem is this declaration of of God wanting you to hear it. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to say this better, but he's not trying to make this hard. This isn't like, hey, there's wisdom, and you're going to have to climb the highest mountain of the highest peak in the world, and if you maybe make it, no, it's like, it's, it's right here. I mean, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the city street. It's to, to anybody and everybody who would listen. I mean, she is crying out outside. She's raising her voices in the open square. She's crying out in the concourses. She's speaking. If anybody will hear me, hear what I have to say, and you get this understanding that as God is trying to communicate wisdom to us, he's not trying to make it hard for us to get it. He's doing everything we can to hear, hear it. So again, I'm going to put a little box around this one like I did in that other section. And this one would really just be wisdom's open call. This place where, there, where God is telling us, anybody who will hear me, anybody who will hear me, then this is given to. Now, that's not to say that somebody can have wisdom necessarily outside of recognizing who God is. No, we talked about that a little bit last week. We'll see it again as we work through this chapter. He's going to say those who ignore this, ignore fearing God, ignore recognizing God. So it isn't a kind of place that God is offering wisdom outside of a relationship with him, but he's making it so plain. Like, please come and recognize there is a God. There's a God who made everything. There's a world that's governed by his good pleasure. And there's a way of living that life in a way that you and I can and could understand. So it's an open call. And then it just begins to reason with us, beginning in verse 22. It says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And scorners delight in scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. If you want to circle that, circle those words. Turn at my rebuke, because it really becomes the heartbeat of these two verses here, where it is this invitation to repent. It says, would you hear me? Would you hear what I have to say and turn your life from going the wrong way? Turn to the right way. And so it kind of began, I'm going to put another underline back at the first part of verse 22. How long? Like, how long will you not hear what I'm having to say? How long will you go your own way and, you know, delight in scorning, hate knowledge? Turn. And just offers this incredible place. says, if you do that, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. So it's this plea of just saying, hey, if you would just but heed this, if you would hear what I have to say and turn, it would work good. So again, I'm going to put a little box around it and just say that wisdom is calling us to repentance, that wisdom is calling us to turn to God and to say, hey, turn at those rebuke, turn when, 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 when it shows us what's wrong, draw our lives into the place that God has for us, and that is certainly true. All the way through Scripture, this place where God would call us to say wisdom, would recognize there is a God. Wisdom would, would call us to hear. But this wisdom poem isn't just an invitation. It's a picture of those who would miss that. And so you can turn over to the next page uh, there on page six. And he says, because I called and you 
refused. Like, you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't hear what I have to say. It says, I stretched out my hand, and I'm going to underline, no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. So you just notice this repetition again. It is kind of this poetic place where it's saying, wisdom's crying out, but it's speaking to this one. It says, but you wouldn't listen to me. You refused. No one regarded you disdained. You would have none of my rebuke. And so we move from kind of this, this picture of what wisdom is. These two verses become a picture of folly's refusal to hear, of those who would say, hey, I'm not going to listen. <laughs> like, why would I want to do what God wants? Why would I want to go his way? He says, if you do this, if you refuse God's wisdom, you don't regard, you disdain it, you would have none of that. It becomes this foolish place that messes up our lives. And as he thinks about what that looks like, he says, here's what it would do in your life. Verse 26, he says, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. So verse 26 and 27, they become this, these verses that help us begin to think through what's going to happen if you don't listen to wisdom. And so again, if you just want to do some circling, you can just circle in verse 26 and 27 the words that describe the mess that that would bring in your life if you, if you wouldn't hear. And you could even do that on your own for a second. Just when you look at them, just pick out the words that say, hey, this is what would happen to you. This is what would happen in your life. It says, I'll laugh at your calamity. Like, it's going to be a calamitous thing. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction. It would be destruction. It comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. When, when all of these things become those things that are there, and he says, this is what would happen. If you won't hear the call of wisdom, then it's going to be calamity, terror, destruction, distress, anguish. It's going to mess up your world. So that's kind of this section. Really, verse 26 and 27, if you were to put a little note by it, it's folly telling us that when you think about what this looks like, just the, the, the mess that would happen, the mess of choosing to be foolish, of refusing wisdom, would bring us into a place uh, of just you know, mess and terror and destruction in and on our lives, causing us to, to miss everything that God would, in that sense, have for us. So, Again, if you're kind of walking this through, you're hearing this, this poem of wisdom saying, hey, turn, my, it's an open call, repent, come to me, come, come to God's ways. But if you don't listen to me, this is what's going to happen in your life if you refuse. And so now we're on the other side of that decision, but it's, she, it's as if this poetic wisdom in one sense now is coupled together in a way that helps us to see it. I'm just going to go down to verse 29 for a second. It says, because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. And again, if you want to circle that, that might be worth just circling because it again becomes almost the heartbeat of this. It says you didn't, you didn't choose it. You chose not to fear God. You chose not to, to believe that God is good. You chose not to believe uh, the things that would happen and the, the mess that would happen, the, the, the horrendous things that would take place in the midst of this. So this section kind of begins there in verse 28. It says, when they call on me, I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. It is a reality that there is a place that there comes a time when it's too late, where, you know, when life's already destroyed, when you're already on the other side of it, your decision's already made, and there comes a place where, quite honestly, where wisdom would say, 
There's, there's no hope for that. You're going to call out at that moment, but there's nothing found there. That's a little bit of this warning uh, that, that uh, you know, too little, too late, you know, that, that that would happen. Now, I want to say that just very seriously because that's certainly a part of this poem and, and appeal, but I also want to say very graciously, if you could hear me now, my prayer is that you're not there, that you would already say, okay, you know, this is something I need to get serious about now because if I harden my heart, it could bring me to this place where there's no more repentance, where what Jesus would talk about, just the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, a place where there's no returning from, where there's, there's no way back from those choices, and yet this is where this is picturing. Well, we, again, we notice there was a time too late, but going back to verse 29, I'm just going to notice there, and I'll just, just go through and underline a couple of the words that help us to see it. It says, you know, they hated, they hated it. They hated knowledge, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, wisdom speaks. They wouldn't listen to it. They despise my every rebuke. They, they wouldn't listen to anything I say, follow, you know, wouldn't hear what's being said, wouldn't walk in, into the, all that this is. And so there is a sense that you look on these verses, and in one sense, again, if you want to put a, maybe a, a little outline point to it, and again, maybe you'd figure out a better way to say it than I did, but there is a sense of a dreadful choice that Folly would look back and say, you, you've made a choice. It was a dreadful choice, and it's destroyed your life. You, you wouldn't listen to my counsel. You wouldn't, uh, you, you despise my rebuke. You didn't choose the fear of the Lord. You hated it, and now there's no way back. Now there's no way back. Now you're in a place that has brought you into horrendous destruction. Now you're in this place where that would be just this horrible place that would land. Now, again, I think I'm trying to say it well, but I'm, I'm trying to think about how to say it better. These are meant to be really scary words. The, the kind of thing that isn't the, hey, I can always get this right. Hey, you know what? You know, I, if, I, if, I, if I live foolishly today, tomorrow I can be wise. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to sow my wild oats while I'm young, or I'm going to behave foolishly now, and I'll be able to come back and, and choose better later. And here's saying that's not what's going to happen. There's a hardness that can happen where if you refuse to hear, you refuse to hear what God's going to say, you refuse to, to listen to Him, there can become a place where your choice becomes a solid choice, a dreadful choice, one that determines the course of your life and, and the place that that is, and that needs to be at least a little fearful. The kind of thing, thinking like, I don't want that to be me. I don't want it to be me that finds myself in that place where that would be who I am because where that would go would be horrendous, and that's what he shows us in the next two verses. Verse 31, it says, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own fancies, and so if you want to circle therefore, that's kind of one of the turning of verses, like because you did this, this is now what's going to happen. There's going to be a place where you're going to eat the fruit of your own way. You chose it. You're going to get what you chose, you chose it, you're going to be filled to full with your own fancies. I don't know if that scares you like it does me. Those are scary words. Like, give me what I deserve. <laughs> give me what I've chosen. Those are horrendous. That's exactly opposite the standing that we have in Christ, which is that we stand by grace we're saved. But we, we want God to give us grace where don't give me what I deserve. <laughs> don't give me what I've earned. Give me, me, give me Jesus. Rescue me from those places. But these would find themselves in that. And so verse 31 and verse 32 really kind of describe that, but they're split across a couple pages. So I'll just start it here in verse 31 and say, it's going to describe for us the cost. Like if you go this way, the cost of living a foolish life. 
where he says again, therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. And then in verse 32, he says, you know, for the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So really verse 31 and verse 32 really are this picture of this destructive cost. So just hear the way it is. He says, if you do this, if you turn away, it's going to slay you. It's going to kill you. It will destroy you. Just kind of hear those kind of repetition. This will destroy your life. This, will, this will, will cause horrendous outcome to be a part of who you are. And yet he pictures it for us so well there. Again, where he says, okay, if you turn away, if you're one who refuses to hear this, that's the course that you're going to be on. But it's interesting that he adds to it that he says it's also the complacency of fools. That it's not just those who just say no, but almost those that never say yes. That never get around to saying, you know, I want wisdom. I, I need what God has for my life. I need rescue from the way that I would do my own life. He says that will destroy you. That, that will be the, 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 the end of it all. That will be the horrendous place. It's certainly a picture of hell. It's certainly a picture of eternal destruction, but it's also a picture of just a destroyed life, of refusing to do life God's way. Now, obviously, that's not the hope of the book of Proverbs, and so it gives us one more verse where it just lays out for us that that's not what he, what he wants for us, as he just says in verse 33, but, and it's a good one of those like, but, you know, this is, this is a change, Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So wherever you want to do that, I'm just going to kind of put a box around that whole verse that lets me know, hey, this is a key thought. Like he's inviting us, saying, if this is what you would do, that now we return from folly back to wisdom. He said, well, wisdom, that would be safety. That would be security. That would be salvation. That would be rescue. That would be what God would have for our lives. He says, if you will listen, if you will listen to me, I can do this. We can bring you into this. So this is where you're needing to hear this. This is kind of the introduction. This is almost the invitation to the book of Proverbs. We really haven't began diving into the nuggets that are found there. But chapter one is this appeal inviting you into it. Would you listen? (laughs) Would you be one? Because if you will, If you will listen to me, that will bring safety in your life. That will bring security. That will rescue you from evil. That will rescue you from from all that would be in the midst of it. It is an invitation to say, hey, this is why we want to come and say, hey, this is worth my hearing. This is worth me being one that would say, I want this, not just for interest's sake. See, Proverbs is an interesting book. Sometimes people like the book of Proverbs just because it's interesting. I mean, there's really crazy proverbs in there, and some people are almost just interested because, you know, just the way that God says it is so powerfully articulated at times, but obviously he's wanting you to have a different approach, one that would say, I want this. I want wisdom. I want to be a wise person. I want to make good choices. I want to handle life in a way that's right And so he's appealing to you and I to have that space, to have a place where we would have that whole thing. 
So let's do this. You have some little notes down there at the bottom of the page, and so just kind of as an outline so we can kind of put it as a whole of what we've seen here in Proverbs 1. Let me just give it to you this way. And if you want to write these down, you can. You don't have to, but it's good for me because I tend to think in outlines, and so I just like it. And Proverbs 1, again, is this incredible invitation to wisdom. It began in verses 1 through 7 with just a definition. Like, this is what wisdom is. And he defined his wisdom and understanding and gave us this number of terms, but just locked it down and says, it's the fear of God. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That he tells us, this is what he has for us, for you, for me, to live our lives in light of there is a God. And he made a right way for us to do life. And that's a place of what he has for us, so he gave us that. Then in verses 8 through 19, we saw this father-son talk. Just the first of ten that just said, if you're going to do this, not only are you going to have to listen to God, you're going to have to avoid the wrong voices. It's good to hear the right voices. But if you are listening to both, it's going to bring you into complications. If you're allowing both to have equal influence in your life, he says you're going to have to avoid the call of sin. You're going to have to avoid the call of sinners because that will mess up everything that you're trying to move forward in. So then in verses 20 to verse 33, we had Lady Wisdom calling, just the first of four of these kind of wisdom poems of Lady Wisdom speaking out to us, and hers was just a a plea, like, please hear me before it's too late. I mean, hear what I have to tell you before, you know, you miss everything that that would be. Please step into a place where where that would be a part of of what you need. And certainly, again, that's a place for us to begin, a place for us to say, hey, that's where we need to be. So I don't know where this finds you. I hope it finds you tonight even moving in the right direction. But the reality is right here, even though we haven't even begun to dive into some of the the nuggets of wisdom that are going to begin to us, it might already be showing us what the problem is. See, God's wisdom is good. It's, It's a living life in the fear of God. But if this is going to be where you are, then you're first of all going to have to choose that the voices who are going to turn you into a different direction would not be the ones that you're listening to. So I'm just asking. I'm just asking right right now, is there something there? Is, is there something there that would be in the midst of, of you, you know, just missing what God has because you're giving equal weight to something else? You're allowing something else, someone else to have that in your life. Well, right now it becomes this place of saying, hey, you're going to have to learn to say no to that. If you want this, you're going to have to say no. But once you do that, there is again just this plea hey, listen, wisdom is speaking. It's not out there. It's not on top of a mountain. It's in the concourses of life. God would open up to you how to do life, how to live life, but your need is to respond to that before it's too late, before it becomes into a place where your life is already in a course that cannot be turned around or fixed. And I'm just, I'm just pleading. And again, my hope is that you're here on a Wednesday night. You're watching online. Maybe those who would be in this space, that's exactly what you're trying to do. Like you've already kind of tried to figure this out. You're looking at this saying, God, I want to do life better. I want to handle friendships, relationships. I want to know how to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's certainly what I'm longing to do. And you've come even tonight for God to seek to do that in your life. I think that would be absolutely wonderful. But the weird thing is that you could actually be tuning in right now 
and that not be where you are. I just wonder how that, I mean, I, I know how it works. I've been in places like that in my own life where, again, where you kind of put it off. Like, you know, I'm going to get serious about this tomorrow. You know, later. Again, some people are like, well, you know, after college, uh, you know, after I get married or after I have kids, you know, I'll kind of settle down and, and I'll kind of try to figure out how to actually do life. But why would I want to do that now when I can be doing my own things and going my own direction? But Lady Wisdom is pleading with you saying, you go your own way, you go your own direction, you'll destroy your life. Like this isn't playing with, you know, you know silly things. This is who you are and, and calling you now to say, okay, step into this space where that would be where God would have you to be rescued. So I think about what that looks like And as we seek to apply that now into our life, we're going to switch gears and we're going to move into a time where we take communion. Now, we seek to do that on Wednesday nights at the end of the month and we haven't got to that. We didn't do it last month because it got really weird. And so it's been a couple months since we've done this. And I'm trying to find, you know, I was was thinking like, how do I make this segue? How do I kind of move from where we are in wisdom to, to presenting this? But at the same moment, in some senses, it's just so right there. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the one who came to bring us into life. The repentance that we're called to live is to turn and live our lives through Him. He is the one that brings us into grace. He is the one that brings us into a life that is so needed, and and rightfully so, that we come to Him and say that's where we are and and what we need. So tonight I'm going to invite you to take communion with that, in a sense of recognizing just the, the, that he's the wisdom of God. He's the, the, the weight that we need. He's the life that we need. That's the course that we want to go. I mean, if we're going to not let the world determine our course, but we're going to listen to the wisdom of God, it's going to us, bring us to Christ, and it's going to bring us to our need of him, to the cross, and all that that is. And so as we take communion tonight, I'm hoping that that would just roll over you in a way that would you know, both compel you in that road, but also rest in who he is, that that safety and security that wisdom would take us into would be Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus. Again, hey, this is that moment that as we take communion, it'd be a great moment for you to recognize this is what I need. I desperately need him, that this is the solution for the brokenness in our world. It is Christ. And we'd invite you even in this space to surrender your life to him. So here's what we're going to do. We do communion a little bit differently on Wednesday nights, and so most of you are familiar with it, but it's still a good reminder, especially, again, because it's been a couple months. We're going to move into time we take communion. Pastor Phil's going to lead us in a couple of closing worship songs, and we're going to invite you to take communion on your own in this midst. Again, communion is always something that you take as a part of the body of Christ. You never find uh, communion to be something that you take alone at home. It's always something that you embrace in the midst of God's people, but there is a powerful reality in the midst of God's people that you would choose to do that and walk in that. So again, Pastor Phil's going to play a couple of songs, and we're just going to invite you to come and take communion. The communion elements will be up here at the front of the church. They'll also be at the back of the church, and so you can just go and get those. You can take communion right there, you can take it back to your chair. You can stand, you can kneel, however it works. We're just going to invite you somewhere in the midst of those closing two songs that, that you would just, in your own place, just come and embrace that, embrace Christ, embrace who he is, celebrate his work and his power in the midst of that, and then just continue worshiping with us. Again, we're just going to have two songs, and so, again, when you're, whenever that works, you can, you can take communion in the first song, you can commit communion in the second song. Again, I hope that makes sense. But again, just however that works in the midst of your life. One quick FYI. 
we have these really cool new chairs. I don't know if you guys like them. I, we really do. Um, one of the things, if you haven't figured out, there, there's little communion holders in, in, the, in the cups in, in the back of the chairs. So when you're done taking communion, just stick your cups there. Uh, two, there are little boxes on the side of it so you don't have to sit there and hold it and wonder, what do I do with my cup? Uh, that kind of thing. They're just there for you. And again, we hope that that would be helpful. So let's just he- head into this. Take communion. Remember Christ. Seek to make a part of that. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And may God just draw us after this. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the invitation to wisdom. And I do think about how you say it there in Colossians, that Jesus, you are the wisdom of God. That you are the one that we desperately and with reality need. God, we recognize that right now. And yet recognize the choices that are needing to be made. Choices that would not allow other voices to turn us down other roads. God, help us to do that here. But then choices to listen to you and to what you have for our lives, that voice that would bring us to Christ and to the life that you have for us. God, in very powerful ways, would you just meet us in this moment and draw us into this reality of remembering you, Jesus. Remembering you as the the wisdom of God, as the hope of life, as that which brings security and help and wonder. So God, as we close in worship, as we take this time of communion and we do so individually, would you help it just to be real? Not just going through the motions, but a space where we are connecting with you in this. We ask for that now as we thank you and we commit all that this is to you. We do so together right now, just worshiping you in Jesus' name.